0: Good evening, Purple Family. Welcome to another episode of Shades of Purple, a Prince podcast. On tonight's episode, I'm going to do a little something different. I'm just going to go off the off the dome. I hope it, this won't, you know, appear to be a rant or sound like a rant. But I just wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, as much as we all love Prince and we're all, you know, Prince Fams, Purple Family, the fact that, you know, Prince was human and the fact that he would sometimes do things that was kind of a kind of jerk, jerky. You know, he was, he was a jerk, basically. And that's why I titled this, Is Prince a Jerk? And, I mean, the answer to that is yes and no, I guess you could say. And in this episode, I'm just going to highlight some of the instances where I personally felt that Prince was a jerk. Now, I know that when we kind of talk about subjects... Concerning Prince that are are kind of kind of negative, they have a negative connotation to them. A lot of people are just like, oh, don't say that. You know, Prince was, you know, you know he was perfect. Or well, people don't say that he was perfect, but you know that's how they get really defensive in saying that. Oh, we shouldn't focus on the negative. And I'm not trying to focus on the negative. I'm just trying to point out the fact that Prince was human, and there was some things that he did. To other people, whether it's bandmates, girlfriends, that was just kind of messed up, you know, and, um, you know, and nobody's perfect. Like I said, we're all human. I mean, but when it comes to public figures, which is what Prince was, they, their, you know, activities are a little bit more publicized. They're more exposed. So that's just a part, you know, this is kind of part and parcel of being a celebrity is that, that your actions and your words are more closely scrutinized. And that was the case for Prince. And I think for a while, you know, that's why Prince didn't really like to do interviews like that too much because he didn't like his words to be misconstrued as they often were sometimes. Uh, Back when he uh, first uh, got on the scene, like uh, uh, people in the press didn't believe that his name was really Prince. They thought that that was just his stage name, even after he said Yes, this is my real name. And of course, the ongoing, you know, thing about his sexuality, which is still when I say ongoing, I mean, it's still ongoing today. There's still a lot of people who still believe that Prince was gay. And um, even after he said, hey, you know, in an interview back way back in like 1980, 1981, hey, I'm not gay, you know, but they still, you know, perpetuated these this myth that, you know, that he was gay based on, you know, his mannerisms and how he dressed and, you know, this, that, and the third, but, you know, they didn't understand that Prince was, you know, Prince was Prince. Like he didn't, he didn't allow, you know, these gender roles or these gender rules to define who he was as a man. And he was a man. He wasn't, you know, there's some people that want to try to say that, you know, he was trans or He was this, he was, no, he was not trans, (laughs) even though, like I said, I feel like that's just like the trend now that everybody, you know, not everybody, not that everybody wants to be trans, but that, you know, trans people in particular are getting, you know, much more publicity and not to say that that's a bad thing necessarily, but they just want to, you know, attach themselves to, to whoever, you know, they think that people really like Because a lot of trans people, and I'm not going to get off on my subject, I promise. But some, I'm not going to say a lot. So let me not say a lot. I'll say some trans people really, really, really need that validation. And so they seek out, you know, celebrities in particular to try to validate, you know, how they feel about themselves. And I know that some trans people have kind of looked to Prince and said, okay, well, he may have been trans. He may have been wanting. But no, he was not trans. He never desired to my knowledge to be a woman. Of course, never went as far as having any type of surgery to be a woman. A lot of people misconstrued the fact that, you know, he sang in falsetto as him wanting to be a woman, but that's just him singing in falsetto. Men do that all the time. I I think that Prince, and I said this in my episode where I talked about his sexuality, was that he was very in tune to his feminine side. And with him being a Gemini, you know, he had, you know, know, those dual natures, those multiple uh, personalities almost, you know, that's where we see Camille and these other kind of, you know, more feminine um, personas. And that was, you know, that was Prince, you know, that was just who he was. It had nothing to do with his, you know, sexuality, so to speak. But anyway, so let me get on uh, talking about what I was going to talk about where I'm just instances that kind of highlighted Prince kind of being a little bit of a jerk, you know? Um like for instance, um his treatment of uh the revolution when he got ready to disband them. Um I think that he could have went about that a better way. I know that uh Brown Mart for example in his book talked about, you know, it kind of started going downhill with the revolution toward the middle ending of the, the Purple Rain Tour. And at the end of the Purple Rain Tour, for example, they were expecting the revolution was expecting like this big payout because, you know, the Purple Rain Tour was, of course, very, very successful. They sold like 1.7 million tickets. I mean, they played literally all over the country and they were expecting like a really, really nice payout. And so Brown Mark uh, recalls that when he, you know, got his check and it said $15,000, he was like, what? What is this? When other artists are paying their band like a million apiece, we get $15,000? And he said that he tried to confront Prince about it. And Prince was just like, hey, I'm not the, that's not me. I'm the, I'm the music guy. I'm not the the business guy. He kind of referred Brown Mark to, you know, his manager and Prince was very much like that. Like when it came to like the day-to-day business of, you know, his empire, he hired people for that. He had accountants for, you know, to keep up with, you know, you know, where the money went and all that. Like he could go to his accountant and say, Hey, I need you to pay the band this amount. I'm assuming he could have done that. I don't know, but you know, he did so that was a problem. And I think that would have been a problem for anybody because I mean, Prince was very, a grueling, you know, uh band person. Like I want to say a band, band leader. That's what I'm looking for. Band. He was a very grueling band leader. And the fact that, you know, he had his band rehearsing, you know, 10 plus hours a day. And then, you know, sound check was another, you know, couple of hours and, I mean, just constantly, constantly, you were constantly, constantly playing music 24 seven and to do all that hard work. And now don't get me wrong now, 15 grand in 1984, that was quite, you know, that was a nice little paycheck, you know, but I think that, you know, they were definitely expecting a little bit more zeros behind that. And the whole situation with, you know, him and, uh, Wendy and Lisa, Susanna, that whole thing where he wasn't properly, you know, uh, this is in the same time period, uh, wasn't properly giving, particularly Wendy and Lisa, their songwriting credits. uh, Throughout the Parade album, that was a true collaborative album between the three of them, between Lisa, Wendy, and Prince. And Prince did not really hold up his end of the bargain as far as giving them credit for things that they worked on. For example, the song Mountains, was definitely a composition that Wendy and Lisa put together. Uh, He just did the lyrics, but uh, Lisa and Wendy did the music to Mountains. And they were not really given proper uh, songwriting credit for that. Just like on the same album, Kiss, uh, Brown, Mark, and David Z, who actually put together a lot of the melody for uh, the final version of the song, were not given the proper... uh, credits and matter of fact brown mark said that on the liner notes of parade he was uh, (laughs) um i don't know if prince did this or his manager or whoever but they put him down as contributing to hand claps and something else something else really minor and i was just like wow really hand claps thank you brown mark for the hand claps (laughs) since finger snaps i think it was finger snaps Finger snaps and hand claps, y'all. I mean, that's just dirty. I mean, and I get that Prince kind of, you know, elevated the song to make it what it was. And he had initially gave them like this little country tune, you know, because at first he gave them a little, because what it was, if y'all don't know the story, and I did say this in another uh, episode when I talked about uh, Parade, the album in this time period. But anyway, to make a long story short, so Maserati, which was Brown Marks group and Prince were at Sunset Sound at the same time. And this was in March of uh, 1985, I would believe. And um, so, and he was of course, Prince was of course um, recording a parade. So by 1985, okay, he was already two albums ahead when, and this was still... The Purple Rain Tour was still going on. The Purple Rain Tour would not end until another month later in April of 1985. So this is how far ahead Prince is. He's already two albums past Purple Rain. Okay? So... Um, but Maserati needed some help with their album. And they wanted to know if Prince wanted to contribute a song to their album. And so he said, yeah, sure. So he ended up giving them uh, 100 mph and i think strawberry lover as well but he uh started working on this little country tune with his acoustic guitar and he had some lyrics on it and he uh left it with David Z and told him who David Z he was of course the uh, the brother of Bobby Z and he was his fantastic engineer and um he left it with David Z and said hey can you work on this for a little bit and you know maybe this is something else that you can throw on uh, Maserati's album. And so David Z said, sure. So Bobby, so uh, so David Z and Brown Mark, uh, when he came, they decided to work on it. And uh, according to both David Z and Brown Mark, like there was just this little, you know, Prince singing, you don't have to be rich to be my girl. You know, just the basic lyrics over an acoustic guitar. So it sounded like a really bluesy kind of country, Western Type of tune, and so David Z decided to put a hi hat on it and some other, you know, instrumentation on it, uh, some more beats to it, and a different type of melody, and it, you know, started to really come together. And so the very next day, Prince came and was like, um, "Y'all are, you know, they were taking a break essentially." I don't know if it was the same day or, I, yeah, I think it was. It was the same. It was the next day. So the next day Prince came in and, um, I guess after he heard it, he was just like, Oh, I'm taking this back. But he didn't, I don't know if he quite said that he was going to just take it back or, or he just took it back because he asked them at some point, David Z and Brown Mark and Maserati, they were going to go take a break. And so I, to go, I think, uh, get some food. I don't know if it was lunch or dinner. One of one of the, uh, one of the other. And so he was like, you know, so when are you guys going to go to, go to dinner? And they were like, yeah, we're going to get ready to go now. And so literally while they were at dinner or lunch, Prince took the song back and just took off, um, Brown Mark's bass. So it was another song. Kiss was another song that didn't have a bassline Um, cause he took it out <laughs> and I mean, um, and he just kind of just just really kind of revamped it. He added that. So that was something that Prince added on his guitar, uh, which is kind of from, you know, like uh, um, James Brown's Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. He kind of, you know, did like a, a little uh, guitar riff like that, uh, reminiscent of uh, that, that James Brown song. So he added that and, you know, and he pretty much, from what I understand, kept the melody that uh, that David Z and Brown Market came up with and just added the little da 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 That was it, and uh, and his guitar, you know, his little guitar solo that he has on there, and he um, and did he uh, sung sang it in his falsetto. So he put his vocals on it. He put the extra little guitar rift on it, and you know, you know, and did you know change a few other little you know minor things to it, and that was that. And so, <laughs> so, so David Z and Brown Mark were like, really. But, you know, he ended up, you know, initially lying, uh, basically (laughs) to, uh, Bobby and, um, I mean, not Bobby, uh, David Z and Brown Mark and saying, Hey, yeah, you know, you guys, I got you, you know, I got you, you know, you're going to get all, you're going to get credit for it. Of course. And they did. So was that a dick move? Absolutely. Was that a jerk move? Absolutely. Why did he do that? We don't know, <laughs> but that is just an instance of him just being a jerk. But going back to, uh, the revolution and that whole situation. So of course he was dating Susanna, which was, uh, Wendy Melvoin's, uh, twin sister. And, um, so that made it, you know, personal the fact that, you know, he decided to go another direction and not wanting to bring the revolution and their sound with, with him. And I think that's essentially what it was. It wasn't that he, you know, wanted to disband the revolution. I think that he just musically wanted to go in a different direction because I kind of felt like Prince was, you know, he was, you know, he had finally crossed over into the mainstream at this point. And he was doing a lot of pop. He was doing a lot of, you know, Stuff that wouldn't be considered, I guess, black music per se. He was doing a lot of pop and rock and roll and all this. And um, and I think maybe he wanted to get back to his roots. And not to say that he couldn't have done that with the revolution, but maybe he just didn't want to do it with the revolution. And we'll never know why he had his reasons for that. But I think that's primarily the reason why he wanted to move on from the revolution. Not because... You know, I mean, the extra little infighting, personal infighting that he may have had with, you know, with him not being faithful to Susanna and getting into it with Wendy, you know, over little things and maybe having some little scuffles with maybe Wendy and Lisa at different points, that definitely didn't help for sure. But I'm thinking that overall, you know, Prince always put his music before any and everything. That was the most important aspect of his life to him. And when he felt like he was being, you know, kind of being a little stagnant creatively and he needed to find a way out. And so he was just like, I've got to, you know, I've got to redo some things. I got to rethink some things and I've just got to let, you know, let these people go so I can really move on and do some different type of things. And the revolution, they would have been more than willing to go in any direction that Prince wanted to go. But I think for Prince, he just kind of felt like, you know, well, there's there's a this whole the revolution has a shelf life. You know, I just want to move on. And so he actually um, when he fired Wendy and Lisa, he called them over to his house. They had dinner and he said something to the effect of that. He wanted them. He didn't want them to have to wear like nipple, like pasties and like really short shorts or something, something crazy like this. And there's something that they kind of already, well, Lisa anyway, had already kind of been through back when he was doing, you know, the uh, Dirty Mind and that whole thing where he was practically, you know, naked on stage and, you know, had her dressed in a certain way. And, of course, they didn't want to go back to those days, you know. And so that's kind of the excuse that he used. And, you know, like, I don't want y'all to have to, you know, be out there, you know, dressed all like that. So... But I'm just like, Prince, you could have just told him, look, look, I'm interested in going in another musical direction. I don't know why, but, you know, Prince just wasn't the best communicator. As we know, he communicated through his music. He wasn't a very good verbal communicator. So, I don't know. I guess he just, to me, it was kind of a jerk move. I kind of felt like he could have went went about that better. But, you know, he didn't. (laughs) Another instance where I kind of feel like he was a complete jerk is his instance of his treatment of the time the group and in particular his treatment of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis now it was a blessing in disguise that he ended up um firing them because we did end up getting some wonderful wonderful music because had he not fired them I mean who would have known like would we, would we had Jetta Jackson you know or you know SOS Band or you know any of other of uh, Bands and, uh, artists that uh, they will go on to produce. Uh, so it turned out to be a blessing, but before I really kind of felt like he could have went about that better because I think, um, and he has even said this, that he was kind of intimidated by the time and how good they were. Like, um, I was listening to the, uh, official podcast, the official Prince podcast the other night, and Jellybean Johnson, who was the uh, drummer for the time, said that, you know, the time was basically Frankenstein's monster to Prince. Like, he didn't expect for them to be as popular or as good as they were. Because, especially during the controversy and the Triple Threat tour, uh, during the 1999 tour, they were extremely popular. And they were just kicking their asses every night. When I say they, I mean Prince and the Revolution. Like, the time... Like, their spot probably wasn't even no more than maybe 30 or 45 minutes, but they were truly rocking the house to the point where by the time they got to the controversy tour, Prince was kind of fed up to the point where, like, okay, y'all are trying to upstand me, and I can't have this. So he would, you know, while they were playing, you know, have the lights down, the house lights dimmed. Or he would have them, you know, playing behind a curtain, Uh, for Vanity 6, you know, you couldn't see them, but you could hear them. Like he would do little, little things like that to kind of sabotage them. And I really do think that when he fired Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, it was like another, it was basically the death knell for the time. Even though, of course, they would go on and get new members. Uh, This was even before uh, they started filming Purple Rain when he, uh, he fired them before uh, Purple Rain started filming but I think that that was the death nail for the time. And I think that he did that purposely because he was intimidated by how successful they were. And of course this never set well with Morris, uh, Morris day, the, um, the leader of the time. And he really saw Prince for what he was doing. <laughs> and he talked about that in his book, which I also plan to review on the podcast. So that's coming up as soon as I can reread it. <laughs> and, um, So, yeah, I kind of felt like he could have done them better, like because he was just so intimidated by them that he felt like he had to sabotage them. And I thought that was wrong. You know, I mean, they're they're singing your songs, songs that you wrote. And yeah, they are performing their asses off. And I would think that that would be a a reflection of you, you know, on how great you are, your genius. But he didn't really see it like that. He saw it as them trying to take his thunder and he didn't like that um so there's that uh let me see what else another instance of course we can talk about you know as far as his personal life goes and his love life now he was a complete jerk to francis jill jones uh he kept he pretty much stringed her along for 10 years and you know didn't promote her album when they finally got around to doing it Which I still haven't gotten around to listening to it. But I hear that Mia Boca is such a great album. And I like her voice. um, So I can only imagine that those songs on there are are really, really nice. Um, But I I really felt like you know she um, was really loyal to Prince at a time where she really didn't have to be. I mean, because he definitely wasn't being loyal to her. Like he was, you know, talking to, you know, whoever he wanted to in addition to seeing Jill in New York because at one time, you know, she had moved to New York and Prince was paying for her, uh, her home there in New York. But, you know, nonetheless, you know, he was still seeing other women at the time that Jill was in New York. And, um, and I guess she, you know, like she, she was willing to put up with it because she loved him. And, you know, she stayed always in his hair, as he would say. And I guess that's, I mean, I don't know. We don't know. We we don't really know everything. And I really wish that Jill would write a book about it. But I know that she's kind of a private person. And, I mean, she's done enough interviews where she's kind of talked about the situation. But I really still feel like she should write write a book about it. And just kind of go into, you know, whatever detail that she would like to about the situation. But I just think that he could have done her better. And um, not just her, but, uh, you know, probably a good majority of the women that he was with. Kim Berry in her book, Diamonds and Curls, talked about how, you know, not only did he seem to be kind of disrespectful toward women, but that, you know, the people that worked for him and that she even, that he even tried her a couple of times with trying to, you know, fire her, almost fire her for somebody else because, um, Kim Berry said in her book that his second wife, Manuela, did not care for her, uh, did not care for Kim. And wanted Prince to hire her hairdresser, which was this guy out of New York. And um, so Kim got kind of, she found out about this. And uh, she found out that, you know, that Prince was going to try to fire her because he had told her that he wanted her to have this new guy show, you know, show this new guy how to give up perm. And, uh, and she said she refused. Kim was like, no, I'm not going to show the guy that you're going to try to replace me with how to do a perm. Are you crazy? <laughs> like, no. <clears throat> and so, so, but he would do stuff like that. He would try to get the person that he was going to uh, be getting rid of, try to show the new person that was coming in how to do their job. And, you know, people do that, you know, like employers will try to do that. And it's kind of messed up when, you know, regular people do it, but it's even more messed up when people like Prince do it. People that you really admire and, you know, it's just it's just so messed up. Um, but, but she would often say one of the things that she didn't like about Prince was the fact that he would just talk to people any kind of way that worked for him because he was such a perfectionist and he wanted things in a particular way He wanted things done like yesterday. And if you didn't do it, you know, you risk being fired. You risk being talked bad to. Like she said, there were instances where, you know, he made people cry. You know, he stressed people out, you know, to the point where, you know, they were just, you know, a crying in a crying fit, you know, because of how he's treated them and what he, you know, said, you know. But at the same time, she said that Prince, could be the nicest person in the world, the sweetest person in the world would always ask, Hey, did you eat today? Are you hungry? You know, uh, do you need something? But, you know, but then turn around and, you know, just talk about you like a dog. (laughs) So he, you know, once again, that dual nature of a Gemini was always present with him. And, um, I mean, that's just, just the nature of it. Unfortunately. Um, let me see. What else could I talk about? Um, let me see what else. Well, we might have to have a part one and a part two for this because there are some other things that I want to talk about, but I think um, I'm going to end it right now and we're going to come back to a part two for Is Prince a Jerk? So I'm going to end it here, guys. So thank you guys so much. Peace and be wild and may you live to see the dawn. Bye.